it always comes back to the fact that the the protagonist does something different or like is forced to do something different by external means like there's a little something that either they notice or just is out of the ordinary and it's a sort of deliberate choice that they either do or have to do hello community this is ace and today we have our first guest of the pod they're a good friend of mine who's doing a lot of good for the neighborhood and city we share in this episode we'll talk about what it means to be heroic especially as we look toward the future with a semblance of hope that things could be different. I want to note up front that we approached this with an attitude of hope because that's what we both needed to feel sane. If you're looking for something that recognizes and spends time on grief you might be feeling, this probably isn't a good fit for you today, but we do hope you'll come back. Our guest today is a maker at heart. They're a trans-mask non-binary artist of many trades and have recently put their expertise towards sewing masks for our shared community. You may know them by their screen name, Ectofantast. I know them as my dear friend, Eli. Of course, I'm talking about Eliza Martin, who's been a ray of light in difficult times. When they aren't working their hands to the bone for our survival, they're exploring what it means to be heroic. So Eli, welcome to the community. It's quite the honor to be here, especially as I'm assuming this is the first episode? Technically the second, but the first with an actual person where I'm not just rambling <laughs> myself. First guest then. It's, it's yes. my honor. Oh, it would be gosh. a very sad podcast about community if <laughs> I were the only member of said community. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, and I guess I'll just start in the cliche way that we all start these things now with um how are you holding on and how's your covid going <laughs> my personal covid um no <laughs> honestly yeah the world's weird but i've always kind of braced for the weird as it was i just didn't expect it to take on this flavor <laughs> but yeah honestly i'm doing alarmingly okay this is like a really strange time for me because I'm used to basically having to struggle and try to find my way just to make ends meet and now things are actually working out while mm. everything else burns <laughs> I mean yeah there's like definitely this huge like existential threat looming over all of our lives but but I do think that like this kind of huge shakeup of the economy and therefore capitalism and therefore the daily grind has kind of like been inspirational in a way for people yeah. who are creative. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it's a bit of like a difficult topic for me to sort of like figure out how to word properly, but there's a sort of weird, um, almost like a weird beauty in disasters like yeah it's awful and there's always horrible things happening and that's kind of just how life is but at the same time it's kind of where like all the really good stories come from and how you can really see someone deliberately choosing to do good and yeah yeah 
I wanted to actually follow up on that because when I introduced you, I included the line that you sent me, which is fantastic, that you're exploring what it means to be heroic. So can you tell me and any listeners more about what that means? Sure. Um, basically, I've always been like fascinated by the concept of heroes and the protagonists of stories, the whole Shining Knight aspect. And yes, like since as far back as I remember, I was always a huge nerd. And I liked the video games and the stories, the TV shows. And there's always like this aspect of someone going out to go do a grand thing to make life better for either themselves or those around them. And the whole power of friendship and all that good jazz. Or even just like seeing something new and accomplishing great things. And I guess as a depressed child who had a very unstable life and also who was trans and did not know so at the time, I basically latched onto those sort of ideas just for like something interesting and nice to have. Like way back then, even then I realized the only way to actually even be close to the sort of beings and fictional stories I admired was to just worry. To save others, you need to save yourself first. So I decided, like, I was basically a useless child at that point, and I knew this. I couldn't go out and save the world when I could, like, barely get myself out of bed. So I just hit the ground running and consumed all of the, like, self-help books I could find and resources and there was a lot of things that I didn't even understand at the time that were affecting me like the whole fact I'm trans and which is why I have such weird relationships with my friends and community and everyone around me I had problems no one even knew how to remotely pinpoint and also like learning disabilities and possibly undiagnosed autism but that's its own beast but still i basically decided i had to figure out how to like get my shit together in a way and <laughs> yeah like, like yeah because the hero story is often about <clears throat> overcoming some yes. great like affliction or flaw mm -hmm. or something right yeah and one phrase i often like come back to is that you can't save other people if you're still on fire <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah. Yep. You need That's to put valid. out your flames first. <laughs> Unless you're a hero who has fire powers. I mean, I guess, but even then, you probably should, like, turn off the fire a little bit before you pick up the victims. Mm, Just maybe. Yeah. Just maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that's great. So, mm -hmm. so what does it mean to be heroic during COVID? Um, yeah, that's, like... It's tricky because this isn't the result of like an overnight, I'm going to go out and save people and like make stuff for people and support the community. No, this is like the result of basically a decade of me preparing for a day and slash time where I'm actually able to give back to the world. Because like I had to take a lot of time with many therapists and many sort of efforts of self-discovery and self-development to be able to deal with things like for example, ADHD, which really gets in the way of day-to-day -day survivalism, like eating properly for one thing, yeah. or even just completing the projects that I want to do for people. Being able to solve that beast is very important for, say, when I receive an order for like 30 masks in a week 
and it's for like hospital people and i don't want to let them down so no absolutely no pressure Mm. right no pressure, no pressure. There's <laughs> just lives at stake. <laughs> God. So. Yeah. And yeah. For, for anyone tuning in who might not be in our friendship yet, mm-hmm. but, you know, the more the merrier. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I find it a little strange. Like, we've been friends for, what, a year or two? Yeah. Yeah, a year or two. Somewhere, something like that. I think it's two. But anyway. Yeah, maybe. Um, and I think that, you know we both have a lot of things in common like that cause us to be socially inept from time to time yeah. at least for myself. <laughs> um and so like working on friendships and relationships is just like out of my comfort zone a little bit um mm-hmm. and it's only like in the last couple of conversations that we've had that i've been like holy shit we're the same person <laughs> like and I, like, I knew that you were awesome and rad, but, like, um, when you're talking about this stuff of, like, you know, making yourself better and um, about, you know, the disabilities that you have and and your transness, I mean, that's all pretty much one-to-one for <laughs> my mental profile, <laughs> as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, like, the idea of, like, kind of taking time for yourself and focusing on yourself that's something I struggle with a lot like it's weird because I feel like I'm internalizing constantly like Mm -hmm. I I'm always in my own head and it takes me a while to realize that I can like actually act (laughs) but but at the same time I'm really not good at like introspection or like analysis or like of myself Mm -hmm. I mean I can do it to people and programs and everything all day but not but mm-hmm. to internalize like feelings and self-expression and to find out what my needs are, that's where therapists come in. Yes. <laughs> I know one of the things that I've like learned that has been the most absolutely useful for me is and also like at first it came off kind of weird and like super awkward, but over time now it's just basically second nature. Is like you basically split yourself into two people, yourself and like your weird child self and you just have like (laughs) weird check-ins with like hey kiddo you all right there you need anything and some like weird child aspect of you is like i want a sandwich right now like oh shit that's right we haven't eaten in like eight hours yeah thank Mm. you adhd medication yep Uh, (laughs) but that also makes me think did you watch the show russian doll yes it's so good and they really like they touch on that it's really really good Okay, that show honestly was like mm-hmm. this big therapy session for me. Like yes. I binged it all in like two days, uh-huh. and like I didn't expect it to touch on like childhood trauma, like, mm-hmm. um, and just, and I didn't really get that that would be like what the title was referring to at the same time. I don't want to spoil it, um, <laughs> yes. but but it kind of like gave me this psychological breakthrough of like I can affect change Mm -hmm. like like that was uh I guess the most like vivid example because like while I was watching the show I went up to like feed my cats one morning and Mm -hmm. I like was getting the cans out of the fridge and getting the fork and then I you know was yeah I was rinsing the fork afterward and I was frustrated because 
the like cat food wasn't going down the drain and mm-hmm. and then I realized like the drain plug was in which I kind of <laughs> noticed before but I was just like oh well I can't rinse it because that's there and then I just had this moment of like I can change this and it yeah. was such a stupid small <laughs> thing but like that's how it starts <laughs> but I I'm pretty sure I do that with a lot of things where it's just mm-hmm. like I have this habit of accepting my reality mm-hmm. and not acting on it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the aspects of like the whole being heroic is that it's it always comes back to the fact that the the protagonist does something different or like is forced to do something different by external means. Like there's a little something that either they notice or just is out of the ordinary and it's a sort of deliberate choice that they either do or have to do. Yeah, and that's sort that of like is, what kickstarts everything. That is such a great thought. I'm really mm-hmm. glad you shared that. Yeah. <laughs> um, y- you know, one thing also with kind of the way that our brains may work is I think that like what you were saying about this being overall kind of a positive for you is like mm-hmm. I think it's taken me longer than most to miss socializing <laughs> I'm still not quite there <laughs> really I'm doing fine it's funny though because you're very active on social media mm-hmm. and like I think that that's been kind of a highlight as someone who like has you like I don't really use Facebook but mm-hmm. I'll open it from time to time and just kind of like mindlessly scroll um and every day you've got you know something inspiring that you're doing mm-hmm. i think it's awesome i think that's also one of the key thing is that i don't do much scrolling like <laughs> I, I skim now and then just to see what seems to be the the big news but otherwise i don't actively hunt down people that much or even I don't, well, I realize that I don't get much out of it, essentially. <laughs> and I have many other things that take up my time. Yeah. Yeah. I think one part of that for me is like, and maybe this is the ADHD or a combination of things, but it's the moment that something becomes work, like, mm-hmm. beco- like ends up in my planner as like a have to item, mm-hmm. I am immediately repulsed by it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, like, exactly the sort of thing that I've been discussing with my ADHD coach recently. Like, even, well, I had a meeting today and also last week. And that's, like, one of the things we touched upon was, like, the fact that the more important and slash work-like a thing becomes, the least likely I am to do it. Which is terrible when you're trying to become an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Mm. I mean, I definitely experienced that with, like, because with social media, um, the only, I think, reason I have a Facebook account is so I can manage the band pages and, like, Mm -hmm. my music Mm -hmm. stuff. And, I mean, it's been different during this era that we're in. Like, I Mm -hmm. felt like I can step away from it because what are we going to do? Like, I can work on new material, but, like, no one's waiting for it. Like, it's not. no. Some people (laughs) have called this the big pause. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I don't see us doing shows until, I don't know, spring of next year. Like, uh, who knows, right? Yeah. So, um, in a way, that's been kind of nice. But but it made things like social media feel like work. Like, I never had 
Instagram until the band came along. And then I had to figure out how to use Instagram and like, (laughs) and I don't personally like notifications on that kind of stuff are just almost stressors. Yeah. I think for me, the way like that I handle social media is that for me, it's, it's, I don't really like go there for like all the validation of numbers go up. Numbers going up is good. I don't even look at those really. I just post things and I think of it as just like, here's a gift of like a thing I'm dropping on your doorstep and I'm going to go away now. Bye. (laughs) Well, we appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's just cat videos and art. Um, there's nothing better. That's what the internet yes. was created for. Indeed. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it, Master. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> though I have, uh, I found myself on Twitter recently, which is a little, I don't know, I surprised myself. I also surprised myself with starting a podcast. I don't know, it's like, <laughs> you were mentioning like the child brain inside your regular brain. I think I've also got this like, I don't know, journalist brain or something that's like... <laughs> Your investigative part, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, and maybe this is part of the stress of life, but, like, I found myself being more engaged in, like, journalism circles over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Like, it started with, I mean, uh, I don't want to talk about America that much, (laughs) but, like, you know, clearly things have shifted over the last few years and um there have been a few noteworthy reporters who've done like a lot of great work on covering investigations and like putting things all together and reframing them to be like no actually this is horrible um yes which like i think is really important um and then i kind of ended up getting hooked (laughs) like it was almost like watching, like, a terrible accident, you know, like... Yeah, you can't look away. Right, and it's like it's like watching a terrible accident where the person causing the accident is in, like, an 18-wheeler and constantly ramming down traffic. Oh, <laughs> and, like, dear. it's still happening. It's oh, not, yeah, like, yeah. one wreck that you can be like, oh, that happened. It's nope. like, no, this is getting worse, it's going to get worse, and, like, every mm-hmm. day, you know, mm-hmm. um... And, like, I think that, I don't know, I've just started to have this real admiration for for the work that certain journalists do mm-hmm. and for, like, the broader conversation around that, which I think has facilitated well, like, a lot of leftist, like, ideology, um, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, no, we need, like, healthcare, for example. I mean, we're mm-hmm. fortunate to have that, but... Yes, good uh, healthcare I mean, and finances as well yeah and like our working class not being treated like wage slaves Mm -hmm. so like i've got that part of my brain that's just on fire like yelling at our government and tweeting and podcasting (laughs) and i don't know (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it, it does come from that place of like realizing that like going back to status quo is never going to be good enough that like this has in a way been like a nightmare within a nightmare (laughs) that's this is like the lucid dream part of the nightmare i guess like where we're like oh shit this is happening and we're aware of it we can make choices indeed and you you'd mentioned something interesting with the the fact that like you identified a part of yourself as this journalist-esque figure Mm. and that's one of the things about a whole um the concept of heroism that i like to toy around with is 
one of the major things that really sort of shapes you is your sense of identity in more ways than one. And once I made the deliberate choice, I identified as basically like my own personal anime hero protagonist. And so I selected values that I really admired and found mm-hmm. like that's what a cool person would do. And I try to emulate that as much as I can. And now that I find myself in the position I am now, where I have the tools and resources that I need to actually make things for people and do take an active part in supporting others, it's it's not terribly surprising in itself. Because I've always identified as someone who does like deliberate acts of good whenever possible. That's awesome. Yeah, being like taking a moment to really just choose your own identity and to work towards it because we're never like a thing overnight. It's a, we mm. become through action. Yeah, dare I say choose your own adventure. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean that because I like the idea of choosing our identity and I think that one thing that I've had to accept over the years is that like consistency isn't a useful characteristic like that <laughs> like we we need to change. Like, mm-hmm. we need to respond to our surroundings. We need to evolve yes. and do better. And mm-hmm. and I think that that's the journey and the adventure more than it is, like, the mm-hmm. character archetype. Yes, yeah, especially with, like, actually anchoring yourself in the now and not getting so caught up in the sort of mythology of society, if that makes any sense at all. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, you mean classism. Yeah, basically, or the great American dream that we all should aspire to, or the script Mm -hmm. of what anything should look like, and not actually listening to what you, yourself, your soul is saying. Yeah. Yeah, um, Mm -hmm. definitely. And I want to get to that after, um, because there's so much I want to talk to you about. And yeah, the individualism that has kind of permeated our culture. Oh, it's falling apart, and I'm fascinated. (laughs) Indeed. So prior to the pandemic, you had gone to school for drafting? Uh, Industrial drafting, yes. I make blueprints, as I tell people. I had a great time learning that and doing it, and uh, I was very stoked to start work until I realized all the jobs were outside of Montreal. And what jobs were available were for large companies that I didn't actually want to support. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yep, I got some... Not that much student debt because it's a trade school and that's free in Montreal. Well, not free. It's like still pretty cheap to attend here, which I'm thankful for. Mm -hmm. But yes, I have all these awesome skills that are currently sitting on the shelf as I had to like resort to minimum wage jobs to make ends meet for a little while until I got fed up with that. Yeah. um, So, I mean, now that you can't work those minimum wage jobs, mm-hmm. presumably. Um, has has being in these circumstances changed what's next for you, do you think? I mean, the timing is actually amazing because, well, a week before all of this went down was the, the day that I quit. I was doing a grocery store job as well. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working at that grocery store, a small, like, tiny store, at least, like, a, a half hour from where I live. And I was working harder than I've ever worked in my life and being paid also the lowest amount I've ever been paid mm-hmm. for a job. 
And eventually, I just reached a point where I realized that the art stuff I was doing on the side was kind of occasionally making money and I wanted to take the time to build myself up because everyone says you need to have like a pile of cash on the side for your first few months as an artist because you'll not like make ends meet or anything and it's all super risky so on and so forth but the thing is I couldn't put aside the money I was like living paycheck to paycheck and the physical exhaustion of working at this job prevented me from even working on my the actual job I wanted to do. <laughs> so I was just slowly dying, as it were. And, I think yeah. every, like I think pretty much every millennial who mm -hmm. wasn't born into money has that exact story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was. I'm lucky because I have a free uh, business coach from Yes Montreal, and they're just lovely people. Lovely, lovely people. And yeah, she just like yeah, she just told me like yeah you need to do something because you're destroying yourself here and like yeah so eventually I just like told my boss you know what I'm just gonna like see how far I can make it on my own and so I quit and then a week later the city's on lockdown <laughs> wow yes. I'm like so glad for you that mm -hmm. you are not a frontline worker by accident yeah nope so I want to talk about the awesome work that you're doing um, mm -hmm. as part of your artistry, as part of your drafting, um, mm -hmm. which is making masks for the community. How'd you get started? I've wanted to get into sewing for the longest while, if just to like, make costumes for LARPing or even just clothing for myself, because again, as a trans person, nothing is made for us. So we have to make it ourselves, <laughs> given our body shapes and whatever fashion style you want to take up and mm -hmm. yes yeah, sewing was one of those things I've only ever slightly dabbled in but then as COVID started up and people talk about needing masks I realized like well I have actually a ton of material here and resources and time and also skills and as it turns out there's not that many people with actual like physical making things skills which is kind of bittersweet funny because it took me like ages to even have these skills at all they don't teach this sort of thing in schools anymore which frustrates the daylights out of me and even affording the basic sewing classes is easily a hundred dollars minimum usually like 200 300 dollars depending on where you go and it's just endlessly frustrating wow. so that's like yeah. prohibitively expensive for something that should be accessible for something that like used to be taught household to household as a basic living skill. Uh, and even in like elementary schools, I think. Mm -hmm. Like I recall yeah. my parents and grandparents talking about taking home ec and having to sew and bake and like, I didn't get that. Yeah, no, we had kind of a home ec attempt, but it was just, it was awful. It, it, we like learned how to sew a button once and even then I'm, it's, it's just like an echo of a memory. I don't even remember the color of the clothing I was like yeah. holding in my hand. Yeah, I think just to tangent for a sec, like just thinking about home ec, like home economy, like it feels like the value of, you know, being a home worker has <laughs> completely deteriorated in that time. And like with, you know, the 
like mandatory two person income in a family <laughs> doing your own shit or like things that people need is mm. just looked down upon and now you have to order it from fucking Amazon and Bezos. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. These skills have disappeared from from our communities. Uh-huh. Um so sorry, bring us back to the masks. So <laughs> did you get started like right as the pandemic hit? Did you see something on the news? Like what prompted you? Um well, let's see. I'm trying to remember the olden days at this point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what week we're in now. Somewhere between uh-huh. like 8 and 12. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I just started out as, like, once more, save yourself before saving other people. So I decided to, like, see if I could make myself a mask and if that holds up or does anything decent. And I made a few tests and turns out, yes, I can make masks and they're comfortable. And the first few ones, like, I'm holding my first model here. It's honestly, like, awful quality now that I look at it. I think at first I just, like started a few at home and I posted it on Facebook and eventually I went to one of the local groups that we have for the city and I posted like I make masks and if someone wants them then they can ask me or like toss some money my way to help me like actually fund making more masks and that got a ton of attention it's surprising especially seeing everyone just trust this random stranger who happens to have a sewing machine and so yeah I have sort of created my own method of mask making with sort of like little tips and tricks that I always like repeatedly tell myself to remind myself to do like there's a two sides to the mask like the inside the outside that I sew together to make a pouch so you can put a filter in it and um oh wow yeah and I have to remember to keep the two like outer sides together as I'm sewing the edge so like once I turn it inside out the edge is inside and hidden but like a few times I would accidentally sew the wrong sides together. So now I'm like, I every time I'm holding the two pieces, I'm like mumbling in my head, like, and now you make the good sides kiss. And then I just slap them together. <laughs> I, didn't it, it realize, works. Uh, I didn't realize that they allowed for filters. Like, that's oh, next yeah. level. <laughs> I mean, I've looked at like multiple sort of like designs for masks. And the one that I used originally had two versions, one without a filter pocket and one with a filter pocket. And I, w- I wanted to make like both masks at first, but then I realized that like there's no point in not having a pocket because they're both the same amount of layers. It's just one has less options. Now that I'm getting better at actually making these and more consistent, I'm hoping to be able to make a few a day and probably either have some set aside to for either trades or giving away and also selling for people who actually want to throw money my way because that's always yeah. nice being able to afford rent. Um, uh, yeah. Um, how is that for you if you want to comment on it? I know uh, a lot of people are on rent strike. Yeah. Honestly, right now it's doing okay and I, I'm sort of just getting by i haven't heard much from my own neighbors yet like it's only now that i'm starting to even see my neighbors or even say anything beyond a high so maybe we'll like breach actual conversation by month whatever number month we're in isn't that funny i've had the same experience like uh my next door neighbor like i'd pretty much never interacted with um there's a language barrier and you know we just don't really have much reason um 
but I've been outside so much lately Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I see him coming and going and like we've had a few words and yeah Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know community is possible yeah just little by little like through essentially being stuck in place and not having the sort of constant draining distractions of having to do a job to keep alive and keep busy and arriving home drained and just sort of burnt out on society it actually gives like pause of time for people to actually connect for a little bit which is nice yeah for sure i'm just i'm thinking about community sustainability i mean environmentally on one hand but also just in our like work social circles yeah and like putting our skills to use like one one thought that i had I'd like your take on is like what folks like yourself are doing now really shows that we can combine our labor and skills for a purpose. And in fact, in a time like this, it seems like all we can do. Yes. Yeah. Like it's very much sort of having a sort of sense of identity is tied to purpose. And it's one of the basic things that a human needs to be happy. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of us actually missed out on when we were kind of making ends meet with the day job and a lot of us being miserable because we're kind of tossing essentially hours of our lives to be burnt up just to make ends meet and towards a goal of basically just staying alive, just getting our food and rent and student debt paid. But now it's sort of shifted into a more real enemy, which is an actual deadly virus. <laughs> right. And I work in the corporate IT sector. And mm-hmm. for me, something that weighs on me a lot is like the fact that my labor and my skills and my time are used to further capitalism in a really big way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like... On one hand, like, I'm very grateful to have a job where I'm comfortable, where I can work from home, where, mm-hmm. you know, I can grow in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. But but at the end of the day, like, more than the money that I take home mm-hmm. is going into these contracts that are furthering, like, you know, investment banks and healthcare for a cost and all of this stuff that, you know, is mm-hmm. really detrimental to humanity yes that's also like one of the reasons why i ended up just quitting the day job of working in a small grocery store i could have been spending my time actively pursuing things i believe in and want to support even if it's very risky and i i have no business training or any sort of legal groundwork to stand on. I'm even in the middle of a name change process, so my entire paperwork identity is floating in the air at the moment. Yeah, I just reached a point that I I felt I had to be deliberate about how I wanted to live my life, and I just, it wasn't like, it was a bit like I just decided there wasn't any other option. It just did not make sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that a, yeah. a, a lot of people in our community and, you know, around the world are, are feeling that too. Like, mm-hmm. when you take away the grind and, I mean, thankfully in Canada, most of our unemployed workers um, have been given a subsidy 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we're a little freer to think for ourselves for maybe mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. in our adult lives. Yes, and one of the things I see it's sometimes happening to some people is that when you remove the grind, it sort of they don't really know what to do with themselves anymore. <laughs> and I think we're seeing a yeah. lot of people turning toward how can I help? Like I think that's one of the questions that people are asking most often. Mm-hmm. I mean, humans are social beings, and we thrive on basically interacting with each other, even remotely. And we're wired to want to help each other. To not do it is a disservice to our well-being. Mm-hmm. And like how we were talking earlier about um, like sewing going out of fashion, um, <laughs> pun, but like. <laughs> You know, where that's not a marketable skill or, you know, where (laughs) the things we do to improve our homes um, are not, like, valued. Like, those type of skills, I think of other quote-unquote home ec skills, like like providing food. Um, You know, there are organizations focused exclusively on that for, for frontline workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to mention our workers in grocery stores and other places where food is sourced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, one thing that I've been attempting to do uh, this spring, although the weather has not been <laughs> favorable, um, is gardening. I've I've been gardening for the last couple of years on a very small scale, and mm-hmm. this year I've stepped it up. So rather than just having a couple of boxes, I actually built a whole bed outside um to have uh, a full-size garden in so i'm uh, and for those who maybe aren't from montreal or don't know me personally um while we do have a lot of greenery it's also a concrete city mm-hmm. <laughs> so so i'm fortunate enough to have a backyard quote unquote but it's made <laughs> of cement um, yes so so I'm making the most of the space that I have and, and trying to turn it green. Um, but also this whole thing kind of started with this idea of like, how can we do community gardening? And like, we have community gardens on mm-hmm. some like small kind of empty pots. lots yeah. yeah, around the city, mm-hmm. but they're not, you know, close to everyone. And mm-hmm. a lot of folks, like I find even when I was doing this on a small scale, um, I would always have more than I wanted to consume. Mm. Like, I oh yeah, would, for sure. I would plant parsley, and then it would grow into like this monster, and like mm-hmm. no one in their right mind can eat that much parsley. So, <laughs> so I've, I've just had this idea of like, well, if I'm growing stuff and you're growing other stuff, and our neighbor's doing this, like, like how can we, you know, share and trade um, <laughs> for sustenance? It's really like one of those things about, I, I believe, capitalism culture of being so individ- individualistic that you have to be self-sufficient and re- do everything yourself or afford someone to do the things for you. And it's really sort of separated ourselves from the whole community of, I have these things and you have those things, let's help each other and not fuss so much about who owes what, for one thing, because... Looking at, say, the family unit, I don't think mothers are really going to be keeping track of every meal you eat as a child until you grow up. <laughs> You're just trying to, like, help each other survive and live, and you give and take whatever you can. 
that is such a good point. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is making that hit home even harder mm-hmm. for me. Thank you. Um, yes. Yeah, like that. Just the reward of giving, and I don't want to sound like a charity <laughs> conglomerate, no. but like if you can see the direct impact of what you're doing <laughs> as something that is bettering society, and as long as you are like being compensated for your labor and you're also able to survive and thrive <clears throat> ideally not just survive like <clears throat> trying to get above baseline yes. um like if if we've all got goods and we've all got skills that we can contribute um <clears throat> then like to not do it feels almost criminal like and i <clears throat> let me qualify because um i don't think that like someone who really needs something and the most affordable place for them to get it is Amazon is doing anything wrong by ordering from Amazon. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like to do my best to, to avoid mm-hmm. supporting these capitalist interests, yes. but, but no one can do it all. And, oh, yeah. uh, and people with, with less income, with, you know, less resources, um, mm-hmm. especially need to rely on these things. Um, yes. but, but the point that I, I meant to make by that <laughs> is that, uh, like think about food waste. Mm-hmm. Like I think about the plants that I didn't finish eating last yes. summer or fall, for example. Um, mm. and like, what if someone would have benefited from that? And like, what if everyone who gardens is essentially losing food and then people at the same time are like ordering it from Walmart? I, I mean, I don't know. It's just, yeah. it, it's so wasteful and we can do so much better than that. Mm-hmm. In the end, it's, it's a bit like extending our concept of family beyond the actual romantic unit of two partners and a bunch of children. It's very much sort of community building of be, well acknowledging the people around you as also people that you can relate to that you can interact with be supported or support and they're there and we're not living in our own weird hyper secluded bubbles we're right next to each other yeah mm-hmm. and i think it's starting like yes i when i look at the work you're doing and the, even just the kind of thoughts that I'm having now, like there's been this whole shift and reframe of mind among a lot of people who think about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think there's also one other thing as well that sort of capitalism culture kind of trains us into that sort of nullifies people wanting to take up new hobbies or new interests is that if it's not perfect or refined, then it's not good enough to be sent out in the world. Like there's this whole sort of culture that if it's not good enough, then don't bother at all because the competition is there and the competition will beat you and the competition is going to overtake you and you'll be at a loss and it's all waste and terrible and you'll die out starving in the water or whatever else. But it's just not true anymore. You're supposed to like start out and suck at your things, but the other people there are not competition anymore. It's cooperation. They can teach you what they know. They can reach out and help boost you. I've gained tips and other bits and pieces from other makers. And it's very much a shift from trying to fight against invisible resources that 
are actually there and there's enough for us and actually deliberately choosing to help each other instead. Yeah, it's it's almost like the essential state of a co-op. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. I mean, as a business entity, that's kind of been one of the only ways that, you know, people with leftist economic values can do business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, can like actually survive in a culture that's been through conditions to work a certain way. Right. Um, Play the game, win the points, get gold. <laughs> yeah, but if you take the gold out of the equation and <laughs> you just look at like the human need and mm-hmm. you know how we all have something to offer, like mm-hmm. we've mostly all got practical skills, and mm-hmm. that can be like in the physical realm, or it can be communication or marketing mm-hmm. or you know anything that we can put to use toward corporate interest, we can also, I think, put to use toward community interest. Absolutely. I've actually, like, even been offered a job to make masks at, like, a certain amount for a certain amount of cash, and honestly, I'm not even sure if I'm going to take up that job because I'm enjoying the fact that I'm doing this on my own, on my own time, and within my own means and deciding how prices are managed, so we'll see what decision I take with that. Do you find that, like, the incentive of money has less meaning <laughs> these days? Honestly, yeah, yeah. It definitely has shifted. Like, I mean, before that, like, when I had to make rent just to survive, money certainly was a lot more important. But now with the, the CERB, which covers the cost of my rent and basic food, and even some a little bit of extra for materials... I'm fine. I don't have to have the motivation of money now. It's great. Yeah. And, like, I want to be clear that there are people still struggling. There are people oh, yeah, not course. covered by CERB. And then there's mm-hmm. whatever's happening in America. And for those listening, <laughs> like, uh, I wish your government would get its shit together at some oh, level. Geez. But I find that, like, I'm kind of in this place where, like, leaving the day job would be terrifying mm-hmm. because I'm used to a certain level of comfort. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you know, if I say browse job listings, mm-hmm. like the, there's no salary you can pay me to do capitalism more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely had reached that point, especially with the day job at the grocery store. Uh, I just couldn't. At some point, I hit a wall, and it wasn't worth it anymore. It wasn't, like, even that worth it back then. I kept lowering my hours more and more until it was, like, the baseline I could do at all. Yeah, like, I just, I don't know. I think about, like, if, say, everyone on my block, like, in my alley, Mm -hmm. were to contribute and trade, Mm -hmm. and, like, I think we could do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, at this point, it would mostly be a lot about uh, sort of organizing yourself from ground zero, as it were, like treating your own depression towards the whole pandemic if you have grief over it or other problems that are arising as a result of having to do all of the seclusion and social distancing. I know the mm-hmm. other people out there have a lot more troubles than me and my own weird quirks who is perfectly fine living alone. But yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. Other people, no, they all have their beasts. That's for sure. Like, it's easy maybe for us to 
to talk about like <laughs> this being a great opportunity and i and i don't want to downplay that because i think it yeah. is but this isn't a call to be productive no like because <laughs> measuring our like effectiveness um <laughs> that is very much that like individualistic capitalistic mindset like mm-hmm. and when we talk about community i think what we're talking about primarily is caring for each other mm-hmm. and not like, just of each other but learning to take care of yourself as well mm-hmm. especially like from the core yourself in your own home you are your own community within that space and you need to figure out what you need before you can even understand what other people could be possibly needing yeah Absolutely. Um, though I, I will also add that something that kind of surprised me is that the energy that I do get from, like, you know, participating mm-hmm. and and trying to help, like, because mm-hmm. I've been basically in burnout mode for like a year. And this is like <laughs> the glimmer window where things are kind of better most days. And and I know that that seems unfathomable to a lot of people, especially those who are grieving. And I'm not like, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine being in that position. Um, mm-hmm. But, but for me, it's like you know, not having to shower every morning at the same time and get dressed and and get on a metro and like go be corporate and so like, much time is saved, right? And and so much energy. Um, yeah, to bring us back to therapy, um, <laughs> I had a, a call with my therapist last week, and mm-hmm. and it was largely, like, I, I was struggling with, like, why have I been burnt out for so long? How am I mm-hmm. going to get over this if I do? And, and she kept bringing it back to, like, work and identity and how those things were at a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think she had a point. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of art, and I'm basically, like, I wake up, I have breakfast, I eat, and then I just immediately go to essentially quote-unquote work, which is either sewing, crafting, writing, drawing, painting, and I'll do this basically all day, and I think for me, I don't really identify it as work as just my lifestyle at at this point. It's making things as who I am. Yeah, I think... Part of that for me has been the gardening, like, that's honestly what gets me out of bed in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like a type of therapy for me to go just, like, be with my plants. Like, yeah. uh-huh. it's, like, my own little nature experience. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also something that, like, you know, I've contributed to growing life. And yes. that feels amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It, there's this interesting intersection where like my therapy can be someone else's sustenance and you know if your self-care doesn't lead to any kind of productivity that is okay yes (laughs) it leads to to you being able to function which Mm -hmm. will possibly set you up like in some way to benefit the community um Mm -hmm. but like if we look at like anarchist principles, <laughs> mm-hmm. for example, like it's not that only people who are perfectly mentally healthy can be a part of the culture. Like, oh no, no. Like we've <laughs> got people who have, say, depression, and mm-hmm. maybe it's chronic, and maybe it won't get better. But it's our responsibility to care for those people mm-hmm. and not leave them behind because they aren't contributing. Mm-hmm. 
You know, one one other thought that I had about this um, is, do you think that it's possible that through directly serving our community, we can bring back kind of this natural empathy? Hmm, what do you mean by that? Because um, when I think about, like, the individualism, the American dream sort of drive, the bootstraps, like... Yes. And I think I heard this on another podcast recently, although I can't remember which one. If I do, I'll credit it in the notes. But um. <laughs> but that our drive toward that individualism mm-hmm. and our, like, it necessitates a certain type of success for us to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that one of the only ways that we're able to do that is to put some blinders on mm-hmm. when it comes to the rest of our community and kind of block out this natural empathy we have like I think about like as I'm I'm from a smaller town um and back home you know our homeless population was not very big like you would see the same people you would get to know them um and then you know I come to Montreal and I've lived here a few years and it's just constant um and and you know in order to like get to work you can't talk to every homeless person no unfortunately (laughs) Um, and like i think that in our like journey for individual success we tend to just block out more and more the needs of people around us Mm -hmm. we're Uh, we're like limited by how much we can actually like reach out to others we're we are one person and that's a lot on our shoulders and that's one of the things i have recently come to realize especially watching my like solar punk leftists uh discord server and how they're handling problems that do come up is i think before there's a lot of sort of pressure for individuals to solve a problem like oh is this relationship toxic then it's on you to leave and to like do everything to solve it yourself to just get away and honestly it never really touches upon how a community can handle a toxic person. And now I'm seeing this sort of mm-hmm. shift of attention where it's not one person trying to solve a thing, but how people as a group can band together to solve something that's more systematic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I just wonder if, if we can gain some of that empathy back through serving in our communities. I think so. It it depends a lot on your own uh, sort of personal work at the core, I think, because I'm a strong believer that the amount of empathy and love that you can freely give out to others is directly proportional to the amount you can give yourself, or else you're just going to mm. burn out and become kind of either desensitized or resentful of the very people you're trying to help. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good thought to to keep Mm. in mind i guess what it comes down to is like energy is limited yes yeah for sure you need to know when you've like spent yourself and need to take breaks yeah or like let someone else tap in instead and if i mean i've had days at the office where i've exuded so much mental energy Mm. and not to mention like the background stuff like you know, oh, am I dressed appropriately? <laughs> yeah. Um, the performance right. of being human. R- right, and of hiding your identity. Mm. <laughs> um, yes. And just, like... It's exhausting. It is. And that's, like, 
that's all before I actually do the mental work that I do on paper. Like, (laughs) and so like, you know, like talking to you as a friend on a podcast is great. Um, but this isn't so different from what I have to do with clients all day. And it's like, you know, Oh, what problem are you trying to solve? Okay. Then like, (laughs) can we do this? Can we do that? Like, and it's Uh just like learning business models over and over again. Um, (laughs) but you know, like if, if instead of trying to make corporate revenue better, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I were trying to make my neighbors, you know, able to eat, Mm -hmm. um, I think that it would build up this like natural empathy that that I feel occasionally in myself but but is not always active I guess. And I think it's it's just so inspiring to see people come together mm-hmm. like to problem solve. Like, Absolutely. I mean, this is even something that we struggle with in the business world. <laughs> yeah. Um even though we're supposed to be great at it, but like I don't know. I find when you're doing it for money <laughs> or for corporate interests, like you're kind of balancing your needs with the needs to be a team. Mm-hmm. And like some of that is like, you know, I've had the privilege of being able to work from home part of the time anyway. Mm-hmm. So like if I have a day where I just like, oh, I'm really not feeling it. I need to work from home. Like I can't mm-hmm. get up and do the whole being a person thing. I can just execute on my job. Um, then like that's me choosing myself over the team in some ways um, because we don't have the same collaborative experience if I'm not fully engaged. But if that is instead directed at the community, you know, I can get almost energy back by <laughs> fulfilling the needs of others. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you, you say like choosing yourself over the team, but in a way, like I don't see it that way. You're you're actively like in the moment choosing yourself, but for the long term, you're still choosing the team because you know you can't give if you're spent. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's well said. Yeah. It's the <laughs> long game. of wisdom. Um. And I guess yeah, we're we're saying different things, but they're also connected, right? It's like mm-hmm. you can get something back by contributing. And in order to contribute, you need to be in a good spot for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're able to give to yourself, that builds upon itself very quickly. And then you end up with an overflow in a way, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think that, like, labor compensation is big. Like, mm-hmm. like if, say, you're giving away some of your masks, like, that's awesome. But you're not yes. giving away all of them because then you wouldn't make rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm basically, I give people the option to uh, give something back to me if they want, and usually they do. Good. So I guess what I would say to listeners is, you know, if you want to join your existing community, there probably are people in your neighborhood already taking action and and looking to to support one another. Um, and if Just there isn't. Yeah, if there isn't, there's nothing stopping you from making that Facebook group or Twitter list or, you know, insert medium of choice here. Like, we can all just get in touch with those around us in order to to share resources and to help sustain one another. So, listeners, uh, let us know what you've got going on in your community 
or what you feel you could offer. If you've got anything to plug, um, we'll be glad to, to announce it here. Um, the goal really of this podcast is to empower communities. So myself and Eli, we can do that for Montreal or at least for our boroughs. But if you are elsewhere in the city, in the province, the internet. in the country, <laughs> there is the internet, um, or, you know, anywhere in the world where there's a cool thing happening or you want to start a cool thing, hit us up. You can email the pod. That is communitypowerpod at pm.me, um, where I'm very glad to have feedback and as well any ideas or pieces of news about cool community projects that you've got going on. And I, of course, want to thank our guest, Eli. That's Eliza Martin or Ectofantast. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I usually use the username Ectofantast. So that's E C T O F A N T A. ST. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and, and also on the, the CARD website. That's a C-A-R-R-D. And uh, just plug in elizarmartin.card and you'll be able to find all of my artsy details and also where to order a mask. Excellent. Thanks. Uh, so one last question, my friend. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. What is a book you would recommend to people during this pandemic? Cool. So yeah, Basically, one of the books that I've purchased during my teenage years of trying to get my shit together is uh, called Courage, the Joy of Living Dangerously by Osho. And mm. it's basically the book that slowly planted the seeds of me diverting from the safe root of living to like living more authentically and more deliberately in my choices. And mm. it's been like a source of inspiration of just many small little snippet stories of examples of just it's interesting and it's worth ch checking out if just to explore and get some new ideas in your head excellent and yes the second book is called drive which is the surprising truth about what motivates us by daniel h pink and he actually his entire jam is basically making books about marketing, but not into sort of like chronic businessy superficial way. It's more about persuasion and what like actually motivates us to either buy things, make things, do things, what makes us decide yes or no. And it's a fascinating exploration about what like intrinsic motivation is or what you want to do or why people do things the, day, the way they do. And yeah, honestly, a lot of his different books are all fascinating and really easy reads. He has a very casual way of like writing and speaking and it's very engaging. It's, it's fun to just open up and pick a random chapter and see what you can glean from it. Hmm. That's awesome. So yeah. definitely check those books out. Um, I will put the titles in the show notes. And thanks again, Eli, and we'll be in touch soon, I'm sure. If you like that, despite our, let's say, pandemic-affected audio quality, when in doubt, blame the virus. Uh, we hope you'll come check out the next episode of the Community Power Pod, where I'll interview a member of our community who's working inside the belly of the pandemic beast. And if you have any projects on the go that you'd like to talk about, we're hoping to branch out beyond the folks we know at home. Whether you work in labor, community organizing, healthcare, or have just found an important act of service or an idea about a better than normal post-pandemic future, please reach out 
to communitypowerpod at pm.me.